Laura. Jesus. It's been a long time. Yeah, um, I didn't expect to see you here. What's that smell? Smell? Oh, that. Um, that's my trash. Um, I'm a little embarrassed about it. Oh, is that why you've been avoiding me? Avoiding you? No, Jesus, I haven't been avoiding you. I just, you know, I don't want to get too close to you. I, I don't want you to smell it. Oh, that's okay. I'll just take it. Oh, no, 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 oh. no, no. No, no, Jesus. Um, I mean, it's my trash. I made it. I should carry it. <laughs> it's my job. Right. This is what I do. I take people's trash. Right. So okay, well, maybe I can just go and clean it up a little bit, and, and then I'll come back. Yeah. Well, I don't need you to do that, Laura. Yeah, this is what I do. I'll take it from you so you don't have to carry the load. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Just let go. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how's that feel? Weird. Wow. That is crazy. Well, loosen it up a little bit. Oh, check that out. I don't know if I've ever moved like this before. Well, that is crazy. I just feel so alive and free. Oh, yeah. It's a lack of trash. Wow. I mean, that is just the craziest feeling I have ever had, you know? It's like, it's like something is missing, you know? It's just... Well, get used to feeling free, because that's what you are now. <laughs> yes, right. I am, yes. Hey, what, what are you doing? Oh, uh, I just got to get one thing. Hold on. Get one thing? Oh, no, 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 no. Don't open the bag. Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice. I really appreciate everything that you have done for me. What's going on, Laura? What? Well, I'll take your trash, but you need to put that back. N no, actually, um, this is my piece. It's mine. I want to keep it. No, it, it goes in here. Um, it goes. Put it right in here. I'll help you. Uh, no, Jesus, I need to keep this piece to remind me not to make more trash. I mean, that just makes sense. No, I'll remind you not to make more trash. Oh, but it's what I do. We'll walk together. No, but, but Jesus, um, I should be in a better place than this by now. I mean, I'm constantly doing things wrong, and I'm constantly letting you down. The only thing letting me down is you taking this stuff back. I took care of this trash before you even created it. <laughs> Don't you see what's going on? Every time I take your trash, you come and take a piece back. And the more pieces you carry around with you, the more trash you attract. It reeks. Laura, when I look at you, I don't see your sin. I see you, the real you, the free you. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what I died for. I've already forgiven you. The question is, will you forgive yourself? <clears throat> yeah. Hey Amen. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. I think if we could all be honest with ourselves, we would say that we all fit in that part right there and struggle with that. 
I don't think I'd be stretching the truth with saying that. Amen? Uh, we all have things that we try to hold back from the Lord Jesus. And so if you're in 1 John chapter 1, we'll be beginning with verse 10. If you'll stand in honor of God's word, we'll begin that. <clears throat> verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but for, for also for those of the whole world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time where we can gather together and worship your name through song and now through the opening and preaching of your word. Help us to apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The title of our sermon today is, I Rest in My Case. And so what we'll see today through the text is the, the picture of a courtroom. And uh, we may have, may have some participation today. I see a bunch of smiling faces because y'all are ready to roll, right? Amen? Thank you. <laughs> but today, in today's media, if you watch the television just a little bit, you will see that there are some channels that cover courtroom shows. Some of you, are very, your favorite show is Judge Judy. Okay, maybe not. Uh, yeah, I see a lot of heads. Yeah, it's not one of my favorites either. Or some of you like watching Law and Order. That's particularly one of my favorites. Uh, it doesn't matter which one it is. But we see, and, and there's some of you, you have this thing called cable or satellite or things like that. And they have channels on there that are dedicated only to show court, court cases and courtroom scenes and, and the forensic things and things like that. And, and so we see it all over us. Well, today in the passage... John actually gives us a picture of a courtroom. And, he, and you are the, you're the defendant. You're the one that is brought before the trial and before the court. And so I want to see how you line up. I want to see how I line up to what is brought before us. And so throughout the last three weeks, we have been dealing with John, uh, the epistle of John. And he is approaching how we deal with sin. He says, and what we're trying to figure out is, what does a genuine Christian look like? And so we see throughout this book, throughout this letter, that there are these tests that we can apply to our lives because it comes back to um, the theme verse that we see is 1 John 5, 13. should be before you. These things I have written to you, to who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that, what? You may know that you have eternal life. So John does not want us to be in the dark about this. God does not want you to be in the, in, in the dark about this. Your Heavenly Father wants you to know whether you know Him or not, whether you have a real relationship with God or not. And that should be comforting, right? He's not out there playing hide-and-seek. Well, if you look hard enough, you can find me. You know, he, in fact, He's revealed Himself to us. He just wants us to grab a hold of who He is. And not try to make a, a, our own picture. And so in review of the last couple of weeks, he's already addressed two lies that some false teachers had come into the congregation and were spreading. 
And what was happening is some of the believers in this congregation, they were listening to these lies and applying them to their life. They were, they were living out these lies. And there's three that he addresses. The two first ones that we've already addressed is, if we say we have fellowship with God in verse 6, but yet walk in darkness. And so basically he's saying that I'm saying that I'm a Christian, but yet I can live a life of sin. I'll live a life of just on my own understanding. And he's saying that's a lie from Satan himself. That if you're a believer in Christ, your life has changed. Now sure, you're not going to be perfect, okay? But God's going to be changing you on the inside. And so you're going to look different from who you are and who you were. Lie number two is if we say we have no sin in our lives right now. If we're walking around and saying, well, you know, since I became a Christian, well, guess what? I didn't sin today. I haven't sinned today. Or I don't have anything in my life right now that I need to deal with. And John's saying that's a lie. He's saying there's always something that God is going to find in your life that you need to deal with. Always. Because why? Why is that? We're not perfect because why? We have what? We still have what? The sinful nature. We still have the flesh within us. But there's a constant struggle. And in this struggle, in this world, uh, this war that you're fighting as a believer in Christ, you're going to constantly see things that you need to deal with. If you allow the Holy Spirit to shine on you and reveal that, to shine the light of God's Word in you. You remember we used the illustration last week with the mirror. God's Word is a mirror. All right? And it shows us what we need. It shows us the smudge in our lives, on our faces. It shows us the dirt in our lives. But if we never look into the mirror, we'll never know that. Sure, people will tell us all the time, you need to get right with Jesus. You know, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to clean your act up. But if you never get into God's Word, because God's Word is, the, is what changes you, okay? Allowing it to work in your life through the Holy Spirit. That's what changes you. My opinion of you or me coming up to you and telling you that there's something in your life is not going to change you. Okay? Because what do you usually say to me? Or what will I say to you? Don't judge me. You know? But when I present God's Word, if you present God's Word to me, and we look into God's Word, and we're able to look in the mirror and say, Oh, it's God saying this, not Brother Lee. Or, or Gracie, or Jonathan. It's not these people saying it, it's God's word. And so what he's saying here is if we say that we have no sin in our life and that we're not right now, then we're not getting into God's word. But he stretches it, not he stretches it, but he goes deeper into it, okay? Look at verse 10. So the first thing we need to understand is we need to stop lying about our relationship with God. Point blank, stop, stop lying. Because look at what he says. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, see that the word there, it means that we're saying that we've not sinned at all. That's big. How many of you would stand and say, and you can stand, and say, Brother Lee, I have not sinned at all. Okay, nobody can say that. But if you do say that, no, nobody would stand and say that. Okay, But we may think this in our life. We may have the Waylon Jennings theology. Just the good old boys, right? Never meaning no harm. And a bunch of y'all, y'all could sing that. But we live that kind of life. We think we're just good old boys. Just because we've grown up in the country. Just because we have never done anything 
big, at least the way we would clarify it. We think our little children are good. Oh, he's such a good boy, such, such a good little girl. She's an angel. No? No, that's not right. That's not biblical. And if we're going to be men and women of the Word of God, we must be living the Word of God. Amen? And so what we'll see here is what, um, is what the Word of God says about your true self. Now, some of this is going to be in review. And I, I have a feeling I'm probably going to try to trip over that. So I'm going to sit right there. All right. But I heard of a woman that talked, she said this about her daughter. She said uh, it, was, it was during a, a discussion at a seminary uh, at a church in New Albany. And, and she said this to the, the guy that spoke. My daughter is 10. She has never sinned, and I don't think she ever will. I don't think she has it in her. But you know what? We say ooh and ah to that because we know what's wrong with that. But we think that about our children. <laughs> Keith knows the truth, right? <laughs> but sometimes we treat our kids that way, that they could do no wrong. Our kids are better than other kids. No, that's wrong. That's unbiblical. My daughter Elena is no better than any, any other kid and no worse. She stands the same in front of God. I stand the same. You stand the same in front of God. We have the same position. There's no like, I'm better than you because I'm a pastor. No, we stand in the same line. And if we're brought before God, guess what? We stand alone. We can't be picking out other people. Well, you know, Lord, I went to church a lot longer than Brother Vinny did. I am so better than him. I'm the pastor, Lord, to be sure. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she knows the truth. <laughs> she knows her daddy's fallible. <laughs> Those of you on Wednesday, Wednesday night, you heard my wife say the same thing. <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. But look at what it says. If we say that we have not sinned at all, if we say that we are perfect, all right, look at what it does. Look at what it says. It says, We make him a liar. Who is him? God. So with the first lie, is saying that we're lying to others about our relationship with God. The second lie says that we're deceiving ourselves. We're, very, we're lying to ourselves. Can you lie to yourselves? Yes. And the third lie is that we, we take it a step further. We not, only, we not only call ourselves a liar and that we're living a lie in, in and of ourselves, but we're calling the Creator a liar. Why would we be calling Him a liar? Because what has He said? He says we are what? We are sinners. We're in sin. Where do we find that at? We've, we find it in his word. Right? So look at what it says. It goes on and it says we not only call him a liar. And, and look, in John 14, 6. Okay, let's look at this. John 14, 6. Jesus says what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one... Comes to the Father, what? Except through me, right? Okay, so what is he saying? What's God saying in his word here? It's just really basic. Jesus is the only way. Okay, so 
if Jesus, Jesus, if Jesus is the only way, we have to understand something about ourselves. If we say that we have not sinned, that means we don't need Jesus. And that means that there's another way to the Father. Because we would be perfect. That's how we're calling God a liar. See how that works out? So when we say we have no sin, we're saying, hey, we don't need a Savior. I'm good, God. I'm good. Okay? That we're perfect. All right? You're also saying that you have no place with God's Word in your life. That you're not getting into the Word of God. When you say, when you try to live out these lies, you say that I have a relationship with God, and, but yet I can live in sin, you're showing you're not spending time in God's Word. If you say that you have no sin in your life right now, guess what? You're saying that you're not spending time in God's Word. If you say that you have not sinned at all, guess what? You're telling us, you're showing in your life that you're not in the Word of God. Is that serious? And in Psalm 130, look, it just, we said it in our quiet time. And this is when I read this during the week, and I was like studying the passage and this passage right here, and I was like, whoa, Lord, that's awesome because it ties in. It talks about forgiveness, how we can have forgiveness. In 1 John, it talks about forgiveness, how we can have that through Christ. But it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and his what? His word do I hope. So we have hope in Christ and through his word. Uh, Dorothy had just mentioned a, a Romans passage. I'm going to go straight to the point with uh, verse 10. It says, there is none righteous, no, not even one. And then what does James 2.10 says? It says, say, it says, for whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. So, Brother Jimmy, I need your assistance, please. Come forward, please. Yeah, come on, I got you, man. I was going pick to on, pick on Greg this morning, but I figured I did that with his shirt last, year, uh, last week. And, um, yeah, it's just something about calling somebody a hoochie mama. Um, you just don't want to bring them up anymore. <laughs> but come on up, man. All right, let's say, Jimmy, let me ask you something. Have you ever sinned before? Let me, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever, you ever stolen anything before? Yes. yes. Okay, so what does that make you? Makes you a thief, not a stealer. Just kidding, y'all. I just kidding. I just kidding. All your free bus speaks for. All right, so you're a thief, okay? Um, have you ever have you ever lusted before? Yes. In your whole life. All right, yes. Okay, so what does that make you? Pervert. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Y'all laughing at the truth. <laughs> no. Okay, but, and Jesus would say, because most people would say, no, I've never, I've never, uh, never committed adultery, all right? That's what I meant to give that. I'm sorry, I didn't clarify. But Jesus would say, if you've ever lusted after a woman, and ladies, if you've ever la lusted after a man, or whatever, you mix that up, then you've committed adultery in your heart. So, so right now, he's a thief and he's an adulterer, all right? Have you ever murdered anybody? Okay, 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 so you're jumping ahead of me, Jimmy. I knew you were going to do this, all right? But he, most of us would say, no, I've never murdered anybody. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, if you've ever had hatred in your heart, then, you, then you've murdered that person, okay? You've killed that person or you've murdered that person, okay? So just with those three commandments, all right, that we've seen, he's fallen short of that.
okay? And in James, what does it say? For whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles at one point. This is not just one point at a time. It's one point in your life. If you've ever broken one at any time in your life, you've broken all of them. You're guilty. So if Jimmy was to stand here before the judge, oh, sorry. All right? So if he was to stand here before the judge, he would be guilty, right? Guilty, okay? And he deserves the wrath, the wrath of God, okay? And so what I'm seeing here, go ahead, Jimmy, you can have a seat. What I want to show you here, I think I did them wrong. Okay, no, no, I didn't. All right, so he's the defendant. And right now, Jimmy is trying to defend himself, okay? He's his own defense attorney. Now, how many of you have watched law shows, or maybe you've been in court one day, and, and, and you've heard the judge will say, okay, who's representing you, right? And the defendant will be able to say what? Either he is re, uh, def, uh, representing himself or what? Or an attorney, right? Okay. Now, how many of you, I've heard this before. I've heard somebody say, I'm going to represent myself. And to look at the judge's eyes, when that person says that, he's like, you're an idiot. That's basically what he's saying, okay? Um, and, and there's several movies that will show that and stuff like that. And so the, the best advice is not to represent yourself, okay? So, well, here's the thing, all right? And we're going to get into the next point in just a bit where it talks about Christ. But when you stand before God, guess what? You are representing yourself. And what you have to do is you have to take an account, or he's going to take an account, how you lived your life before him. Okay, your mommy and daddy are not going to be there. Your best friends, the boys you hang out with and party with, they're not going to be there with you. You're going to be there by yourself. Your kids are not going to be there. Everyone is going to stand before God by him or herself. Okay, we have to understand this. All right, so this is scary. All right, am I wrong in that? It's scary. You're standing before the creator of the universe trying to give an account on how you lived your life here on earth. When he has set a standard of what? Perfection. Okay? So we could do this. We could bring everybody up here one at a time and stand before the judge, which that's going to happen in your life, okay? But we can bring everybody up here and stand and go through each of the Ten Commandments. And I can guarantee, guarantee you, that there's nobody in here that can even keep one commandment. So we've all fallen short. We deserve the wrath of God. Do you get that? The wrath of God. We don't even need a prosecuting, a prosecutor. We don't need it. We don't even need this. But here's who he is. Okay? That's who he is. We don't even need this because we condemn ourselves when we stand before the judge. But you know what? There's good news. Because if it remained like this, there's no hope. Because you are fallible man and women. I'm a fallible man. And I stand before the judge condemned, deserving of the wrath of God. 
separation from him. How many of you want to remain there? No, don't you want to move on? Look at this. Check this out. Chapter 2. Start relying on Christ. Stop lying about your relationship and start relying on Christ for your relationship with God. Look at what he says in verse 1. My little children. John is a pastor and he's coming to them with encouraging words of saying, look, I want you guys to listen to this. Don't, don't lie about where you're at with Christ. But rely on him because he's the only one that you can rely on. Okay? He says, my little children. I am writing these things to you so that what? You may not sin. All right, now specifically the sin word here is talking about those lies that people are spreading. It's so that you will not lie about these things. So that you'll recognize where you're at with Christ. But it also spreads to the sin in our lives so that you won't sin. He says I'm writing these things so that you will deal with sin in your life. Deal with who you are. But look at what he says. So that you may not sin. He's not telling us that we're going to be in a perfect state. He's not telling us that we will sin, that we will be sinless, but that we can sin less. Y'all get that? With Christ in your life, you don't have to sin. Now, we still have that struggle, don't we? Right? So it's inevitable. That we will fall, okay? But he's saying, in case you do, guess what? You have an advocate, all right? If anyone sins, don't give up. Because look, when we're in this state right here, there's no hope and there's no help for us. And some of us are living lives right here. You're living right here. You've got this. And you won't let go. And this is weighing you down. Now, I don't mean the actions that you do, like drinking, smoking, gossip, hatred, adultery, sex before marriage, out of marriage, whatever. Right? I'm not talking about that. Those are reflections. Those are results of this. Okay? But some of you are living lives where you're still trusting in yourself. And I'm saying, give up. It's not getting you anywhere. And you say, but it's, it feels so good. But yeah, that's only temporal. Sin, sin feels good. It does, but it's only temporal. And it leaves you uh, unfulfilled. And it, because of that, it leaves you grabbing hold of this life and constantly grabbing at the wind. Striving for the wind, Ecclesiastes tells us. And you're living a frustrated life because of that. And it's written all over your face. It's written all over the way that you live your life. That you have not let go of this. That you are representing yourself. But what does he say? He's talking to believers, right? He says, believers, my little children. What? If anyone sins, I am writing these things so that you will not sin. May not, uh, may not sin. If anyone sins, what? We have what? Uh-oh. Oh, another piece of paper. This is a good piece of paper, isn't it? What's his name? Jesus. He's our... He's our... 
He's standing in it. What does the word advocate mean? It means it comes from the word paraclete, which you can see in the Gospel of John is referred to the Holy Spirit. And so what he's talking about here is somebody that's coming alongside. One called in for help. One comes in alongside in the time of need. One who speaks on behalf of the accused. Now, as a believer in Christ, I've been redeemed from this. Right? We talked about this the last couple of weeks. I've been redeemed from sin, the penalty of sin. I've been freed because of Jesus Christ. Okay? But in my Christian and daily walk, I still deal with this, the things I don't want to let go of. And as I get into God's word, he's going to reveal that on this so that I can deal with this. Okay? But in that, watch this. In that, we have a prosecution. Right? He's prosecuting. What is he doing? Revelation 12.10 says that he accuses the brethren. That, the, that Satan accuses us before God. He comes before God and he accuses you. Here's what he's saying. Or some things like that. How in the world could Keith be a child of God when he does that? Did you see the way he, the way he reacted the other day? Do you see the thoughts and, and the motives in his life? Did you see what Gregory did the other day? Did you hear what they said? You put your name in there. Satan is trying to eat you up. He doesn't want to comfort you. He wants to kill you and destroy you. Now, as a believer, he can't touch your soul. Woo! Thank you, Debbie! <laughs> that is good! That is right, girl. Sing it. Isn't that good? He can't touch you. But here's what he can do. He can destroy your testimony. He can hinder that. He can hinder what the lost world sees in you. He can't do it, but he can provide some means that where you fall into it called temptation, where you sin. How many of us have temptation in our life? Everybody should be raising your hands, right? So we have that, and he uses that against us. We're standing before our position in God, and he's hitting us hard, right? And we're standing here right before Jesus. Actually, we're sitting down. There's nothing we can say. And what does Jesus say? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Look, we have an advocate with the Father. So he's there standing beside us, right? We're not there by ourselves. If you're a believer in Christ, you have Christ right beside you, standing before the Father, presenting your case before the Father. And look what it says. He himself, advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation. Brother Jimmy loves that word now, don't you, my man? Uh, mm. Y'all get me wound up. He himself is a propitiation for our sins. Not only is he our, the, the advocate, but he's also the atonement. Okay? And here's what he's saying. All right? He's saying, look, when Satan comes... And he starts attacking who you are, what you're doing. He says, um, Father, 
He's mine. That doesn't rock your world. Oh my goodness. If that does not shake your life, you're not saved. You need Jesus. Because he's standing there. And he says, my blood bought him. No longer is he held in sin. I have freed him. And your accusations have nothing here. No bearing whatsoever here. Thank you. Oh my goodness. The debt has been paid, folks. It's already done. As our position before Christ, as our position before God, it's already done. And also our practical living. See, your Christian life, we try to make our Christian walk with Christ about works. But it's already done. There's nothing that you can do to get closer in your position to God. It's already done in Christ. There's nothing you can't do or that you don't do. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about Christ. It's about a done deal. <laughs> that is so good. So then why would we say that you should live for Christ? Why is it we say you should come to church? Why is it that we say you should read your word of, the word of God? It's to know God. It's to know the one that has rescued you from the pits of hell. We burden ourselves in our daily lives because of this. Because we think that there's something, we think there's something that we could do to get closer to God. You cannot please the Father anymore. Christ has already done that. His death, His blood on the cross has paid the penalty that you deserve. Where you can say, hey, Dad, man, I'm trying to please you. Hold up, baby. First John 4.10, let's look at this word propitiation. It means to satisfy God's wrath. That right here before Christ, before Christ, you deserve God's wrath. Okay, And Jesus' blood satisfied that payment. Why? How was it able to satisfy? Because he was what? He was sinless. He was perfect. First John 4.10, this is in the, God, in the epistle or the letter of First John, so it, we can tie it in. All right, In this love... In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Everybody say propitiation. 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 Good, good. Know this term. These are not just big words that we need to ignore. They, we need to understand them because there's a lot in them. But that Christ's blood satisfied God's wrath that you deserve. Because of your sinfulness. Because of who you are. And he's satisfied. Go to the next one. Romans 3.25. Whom God displayed publicly, talking about Jesus, as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness 
Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. So he's talking about those who committed sins before Christ. They were just passed over at the time. But when Christ came, he satisfied God's wrath in that. And those before, if they lived a life of faith, trusting in the one that was going to come, Jesus, then their sins were taken care of. But they couldn't be taken care of until the event of the cross. Okay? And the resurrection. Couldn't be taken care of. So once that happened, it was taken care of. Okay? So they live lives of faith, but it hasn't changed. We're still to live lives of faith in Christ alone. You understand that? And so that propitiation has paid for all sin. He's provided for all. And look at the end of verse 2. Okay? We're going to go to the next one in just a little bit, David, but hold on with me. But it says, not only for ours, but for those of the whole world. So God's provision to take care of the sin of the world has been taken care of. But this does not mean that all will be saved. Right? God's done his part. He's provided the way. It's up to us, you and I, to accept that gift. To receive it by faith. Now at Christmas time, you get receive gifts, most of us. I received coal. I don't know why. I mean, such a good old boy. Okay, y'all, wow. I thought y'all were going to agree with that one, but I guess not. But we receive gifts. Is there anything that we do to, re to, to, to earn that gift? No. I give my daughter gifts because I love her. Now, we flawed this up at Christmas time and say Santa Claus... And say, if you're a good old boy, you'll get your presents that you want. But if you're not good, you'll get sticks and coal, right? And a snowman? No, I won't give you a snowman. You see what I'm saying? We flaw it up. But that, that clouds up the gift of God. That there's nothing that you deserve. You deserve coal and sticks. You deserve the wrath of God. But he gave you his son. Hallelujah! That's right, girl. You go, girl. Hebrews 2.17 says this, Therefore we, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, made like us, fully human, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, make a propitiation for the sins of the people. So Christ became fully man so that he could sympathize with us, so that he can die for us and please the Father through obedience in that. So when we sin, we have an advocate, okay? It's nothing that you can do or don't do to get closer to God. It's about your fellowship with God. Are you having a right fellowship with God? Is there sin in your life? Is there something that needs to be taken out of your life? We're okay with giving God this. The general. Lord, forgive me for my sins. But we don't want to get specific. What is the specific sin in your life that you're being accused for, but Christ has already paid for, that you need to let go? What is it? Okay, now that your focus is back here, what is it? What is the sin in your life? Because if you're a believer in Christ, 
Your whole purpose in life is to strive for holiness. And holiness does not have a place for this. Y'all hear me? But are you listening? Because if you're listening, that means you're going to deal with it. What is it in your life? Is it family? Is it tradition? Is it gossip? Is it hatred towards somebody else? Is it sex outside of marriage? Is it sexual immorality? What is it? What is it? Is it pornography? What is it? What is grabbing a hold of you and will not let go because you're not letting it go? Because if you're in Christ, the Bible says that you have been made an overcomer by Christ. A super, a more than, more than conqueror. That you can, you don't have to sin. You don't, let, you don't have to let sin reign in your life. What is it? God, I pray right now that you will reveal to every single one of us a sin in our life that we need to deal with. And if you're a believer in Christ, he just did that. Not because I asked him to, but he wants you to know him. So what is it that you need to deal with? And if we don't deal with these things, guess what? We are never going to be able to pursue holiness. It's holding us back. It's holding us back from being Christ-like. He who covers his sins in Proverbs 28, 13 will not what? Prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So this passage that we're dealing with, we have hope and we have help. We have help in our daily lives as believers to overcome sin and deal with sin. Because we have an advocate. We've been delivered from the wrath of God. And we have somebody that's right there coming alongside of us, speaking on our behalf and taking the penalty. When he opens up his folder or his briefcase, he says, this is me. This is the evidence. Me. And we should be grateful for that. He took your place. You ever thought about that? He took your place. You don't have to live in wrath. Now think about this. We, if, you're, if you're not a Christian in here, you don't have a relationship with God, you're really not experiencing the wrath of God yet. Okay? Because of Christ dealing with that, you're not experiencing it right now. But when you stand before God, if you die today and you don't have Christ, you're going to stand before God by yourself. And Satan is going to say, he's going he's to accuse you of all the things you did in your life. And, he's gonna, and God the Father is going to say, what, what do you have to say for yourself? Who's representing you? And you're going to say, well, God, I guess I'm representing myself. And he says, well, how do you plead to these, these charges? And you're going to say guilty. Because you have no, but God, I, God, I, I, Father, I, I, God, I, I went to church. And? But I read my Bible every day. I, I tried to treat people good. There are none that are good. No, not one. It is your works that doesn't get you here. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Some of you are right there. 
and you'll spend eternity in hell. That's not a happy place. It's not a party time. But Christian, Christian, even though we're right here with Christ, there's still things that we need to deal with in our life. And where are you at with that? got to love this name, C.T. Studd. I'm, I'm really thinking about a boy's name if, if it happens for us. If Jesus be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Father, I pray now that this time of invitation that we will just deal with who we are. Father, that you will just convict our hearts of what we need to get right with you. And God, that we'll do it. We'll act on it. We won't just say something. We'll act on it. And so, Father, I pray for this time. If there's anybody here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they'll give in and give their lives to you, Father. Surrender to you. Not worrying about what other people think, but worry about you. Concerned about you and what you think and what you have said. Father, I pray if there's a believer in here that has some unconfessed sin that you're revealing in our minds right now, God, that we'll deal with that. We'll either come forward or deal with it in our pews, but God, that we, we won't be ashamed to deal with it because you've already paid for it. All we have to do is confess it. Thank you, Father, in your name. Brother Keith, if you'll come.